many of you were here last Sunday night when we were out there playing games and uh, discussing things and stuff like that? Many of you are. When we did that, uh, one of the things uh, we did was, you know, we sat at the table. We had some questions that uh, we asked and shared with one another. One of those questions was, uh, who is your second favorite person about assuming your first favorite's Jesus? All right. Uh, he is, always should be first favorite, right? Uh, that's a double positive, which he deserves double, triple, quadruple uh, positives and in, in, in all those things. But uh, if Jesus is your favorite, who in the Bible would be next uh, after him? What were, uh, uh, this is participation part of this message right here, okay? What were some of the names that y'all came up with? What were some of the names that, that were shared? Anybody, what was, what was shared? Or even if you weren't there, what are some of your favorite Bible characters, people in the Bible? Paul, all right, yeah, who? Joseph. Joseph. Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament. <laughs> I figure that's who he's talking about. Uh, others that were mentioned? Peter, Simon Peter, yeah. Others? Caleb, Caleb yeah, yeah. That's a, a, a little more obscure, but a great man of God in the Old Testament. Caleb and Joshua both, you know, stuff there. Uh, anybody said Joshua? Yeah, that might be one of them. Any others? David, Philip. There you go. Philip went to the Ethiopian unit, evangelist. Uh, and, and we mentioned David earlier and stuff. Was it because of his great sin or because? <laughs> uh, but uh, that's part of it is overcoming it because we all have sins that we overcome in our, in our lives and stuff. And there's, there's so many there. But one of the, the you know, uh, we mentioned some of them last Sunday night. You're mentioning some of them now. One name, whenever you do this, that I never hear mentioned is the name Leah. Leah. Y'all know there's a woman in the Bible named Leah, right? Uh, in the book of Genesis. And, and, you know, that's usually not a name that, that pops into our heads. But as we were reading through the Bible and doing our engaged uh, Bible study, uh, I, as I came upon Leah, uh, that name kind of, not just the name, but what happened to her and some of the things that I saw in that passage that I hadn't really seen before, just God just began to speak to me about Leah and some of the things uh, that she went through. Now, Leah is not necessarily a negative name. It's, it's not, you know, uh, uh, it's a popular name even today. I've got a niece named Leah, and she loves the Lord and, and uh, walks with Jesus and stuff. And, uh, and so there's, there's a lot of uh, people named Leah. It's a good name. It's a uh, nice-sounding name. I know a lot of nice people named Leah. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it's not one that you hear a lot when you talk about uh, leading characters in the Bible or examples for us to follow. But I, I want us to look a little bit at, at Leah in Genesis chapter 29. Let's get back to, to, to Leah. Well, let's get back to her husband, Jacob, because that's where the story really starts. As you know, Jacob uh, had his brother Esau, and uh, Jacob was a trickster, and he um, uh, deceived his dad, Isaac, into giving him the uh, the, the blessing that was reserved for the oldest, which would have been Esau. Uh, he puts all the, the skin on and cooks some stew, or his mom really cooks the stew uh, and everything, and, and gets the blessing that was reserved for, for Esau. So he cheats Esau, and, and uh, Esau finds out, and so he flees, and, uh, and he flees as his mom sends him to his uncle and also says, you know, while you're there, find you a wife. Uh, and everything. And then we read the story about Jacob fleeing. By the way, while he's fleeing, 
to meet his uh, future wife or to find his future wife. That's when he first really personally encounters God there at Bethel. That's the verse that I mentioned this morning about, uh, he says there that surely God was in this place and I didn't know it, uh, which is a, a scary verse, but he comes to know God and experience God in his life. But he goes on, he, he gets to where his uncle lives. He actually meets Rachel, a uh, beautiful woman there at the well and falls in love uh, at, first, at first sight there uh, and asks uh, Laban for her hand in marriage. You know the story there. He says, okay, you can marry her, but you got to work seven years for her. And so that's a long time to work for a wife, uh, but he does that. And it says in, in the scripture that it seemed like just a day, you know, those seven years just flew by because he was so in love with her. And then after uh, working the seven years, they have a big wedding ceremony, and I'm not sure exactly how this could happen, but... He goes to the wedding ceremony. Apparently, his bride is so veiled and covered up that he, doesn't, he can't see anything about her because he wakes up the next morning after the wedding and finds out he has not married Rachel. He's married her older sister, Leah. I don't know how that could happen. But the, it did happen. The Bible doesn't tell you a whole, a whole lot of, uh, in situations like that, how or could have or should have. It just says did and didn't. That's, that's what it, it tells us, that this did happen. And so, as you can imagine, uh, he wanted to marry Rachel, and he's married to Leah now. So he goes uh, to Rachel's dad and says, you, you, you tricked me. You deceived me. Well, you know, he gets paid back for the deception that he's used before uh, and everything. He said, well, okay, but Leah's the older one. She had to be given away before Rachel could marry, so I'm just doing it by the book and everything. And uh, he says, if you want Rachel, you got to work another seven years. So he works another seven years, 14 years for Rachel there. And so he ends up with two wives, Leah and Rachel, and Leah, as, we, as you look through the story, she gets dealt a bad hand. Uh, and uh, a lot of negative things happen to Leah. And, and just it's, it's hard to really conceive how this happened to her and all that she went through. When we think about Leah, we're going to read these verses here in just a moment. There's a couple of things that stand out about Leah. One is that apparently uh, she was unattractive in some way. Uh, it doesn't, uh, verse 17 of chapter 29 talks about uh, that she had a weak eye or weak eyes or something like that. And there's a lot of debate exactly what that means. Uh, it wasn't positive uh, because it goes on and, and right after that it says, that, well, Rachel was very attractive. So, uh, so it's kind of using some type of comparison or something like that. I don't, I don't know if she had issues with her eyes, if she just couldn't see good, or if she didn't look good to other people's eyes, or if she was cross-eyed, or something about her that made her unattractive, and she was also unwanted. I mean, her dad had to trick somebody into marrying her, and then when she gets married, the husband that she has doesn't want her. He wants her sister, and so there she is. She's unwanted. Uh, she's a unattractive to things that she has absolutely no control over whatsoever um, but she goes through these hardships now, but the thing that kind of that I began to to study about Leah and learn about Leah is that through these hardships through these challenges in her life she seems to grow 
She seems to mature. You know, we all go through hardships. Maybe not the same that Leah had, but we go through hardships, and we can either get bitter or we can get better. We can either quit or we can grow. That's the challenges that we have. And it seems like, doesn't give us a whole lot of details about Leah, but it seems like she chooses to grow. She chooses to get better. She chooses to walk with God through this because in all of these things, even in the difficulties that are there, God's at work in her life. She has children with Jacob. Matter of fact, she has more children than Rachel has, and uh, she has children before Rachel does because God saw her and, and he blessed her in that, that way. And then there are these statements we're fixing to look at here in just a moment that she makes when she has these children that show some faith going on in her life and some growing faith in her life. Before we read these verses, let me just say this about God, and, and I hope you, you understand this. And it's something that I've learned in ministry. It's something that's all throughout Bible. It's something that I see every week. I see um, every year of ministry. I see it happen time and time again. God is attracted to the unattractive in the eyes of the world. God doesn't look like, see like man sees. Or maybe we should say man doesn't see like God sees. And God is attracted to the unwanted. And if you try to build a church or to build a ministry around those that are wanted and attractive in the eyes of the world, you're not going to attract the presence of Christ. I, I've seen it so many times when God shows up and God begins to work the type of people that are drawn to him are just the type of people that he wants. You see it all throughout Scripture. Who was, who was it that was drawn to Christ? It was the lepers. It was the sinners. It was the tax collectors. It was the, the fishermen. It was the blind. It was the lame. It was the prostitutes. It was the demon-possessed. It was the criminals. And Jesus changed their lives, changed their hearts. And that's the way Jesus works. I, I've seen the negative side of this. I, I remember, and I, I may have shared, you know, been here almost eight years now, eight years of, of preaching and everything, so I've shared a lot of stories with you. And I, I think I've shared this story before at some point, but just to remind you, or for some of you the first time, I, at one of the churches that I was pastoring before, I remember we had a, a ministry among uh, um, a housing project in a small community close to where our church was. And, and, and we would go, and especially with BBS, and we would pick up kids and bring them to church, and we would minister to some of their families, and, and we saw kids saved. We saw family members, moms and dads and grandparents saved. And, and oftentimes in this community, there was a lot of turnover, a lot of transition, and we'd, we'd see somebody saved, and then maybe you know a few months later, they'd moved and moved somewhere else or moved to a bigger city or, or something like that. And so there was a constant turnover and new people coming in. And, and a lot of the folks that we were seeing saved and baptized were, were folks that were involved in that. They, they were the poor folks in the community. They didn't have much. And I'd, I'd go and I'd sit on their couch and they'd offer me what they have and they were friendly and things like that. And, 
You'd end up sharing Jesus with them, and they'd give their lives to Christ right there in that, in that apartment. And, and it was an amazing thing to see God work. But I remember one Sunday we had a family that had moved into the community, not in that neighborhood, in the better neighborhood. And they show up at church, and they come in, and the, the father has a coat and a tie on, and the wife has a nice pressed dress on, and they're all made up, and their hair's all done, and they come pulling up in a nice car, and they hop out, and those three kids hop out, and one of my deacons comes over to me and says, now that's the kind of family we want at our church. That's not like Jesus at all. And I'm glad that even those that nobody else wants, Jesus wants. That's Leah. Do we have any Leahs here tonight? Let's look at a little bit, and we'll just we're gonna move pretty quickly um, through this. But look in verse 31. This is after the wedding fiasco, and after 14 years when. Rachel and Leah are both married to Jacob, and this is not endorsing uh, uh, polygamy for what in any way, shape, or form, but it just happened, all right? Verse 31, of, of, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. That's what I've been doing my Bible reading in this year, and um, I just want to point out a few things. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, there she is, unwanted, unloved, he, the Lord, enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive, not yet. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben. For she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. Verse 33, she soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. And she named him Simeon, for she said, The Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. His name was Levi, for she said, Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I've given him three sons. And then verse 35, once again Leah became pregnant. So this is fourth child. And gave birth to another son, and she named him Judah. For she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children for a while. Four sons here, each one given names. And what we see going on here, we see an acknowledgement of where she is and what she's going through, but we also see a growing faith. But we see this, understand, faith Faith is not seen in necessarily what she did as much as it is in what God did. Faith is not about us and our efforts. Faith is about God and what he does in and through and for us. 
And that's what we see in this passage. We see God at work. These four boys, these four names are revealed. By the way, if, if you're familiar with the story, these are they, they end up uh, with, uh, with Rachel and Leah and also some, some concubines. That's another story, all right? Uh, some servants and stuff. Ends up, uh, Jacob ends up having uh, 12 children, and, uh, and those end up being, well, kind of end up being the 12 tribes of Israel because you really have 13 because you have Levi, the tribe of Levi that does something different, and Joseph's two sons, they get two tribes named after them as well. It's, it's kind of complicated, but this, that's where these names sound familiar because they're the names of some of the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And so let's look at this. First of all, she has a son, Reuben. Reuben comes along, and, and the name Reuben, it means that Sees. That's what the name Reuben means. The word means to see. It means to behold. And basically what she's saying here is as she's describing, she says, the Lord has noticed my misery and now my husband will love me. What she's saying here is that God sees my misery. You been there? Her statement here, her statement of faith is, God sees my misery. Misery means affliction. It means pain. It means hardship. Even the things, it's not necessarily, it can be things that we do to ourselves, but it can be things that we have absolutely no control over that make life difficult. And she says, God sees my misery. He sees yours as well. You know, I find it interesting that as we, what we see of Leah before, we don't see Leah praying. We don't see Leah worshiping. We don't see Leah, we don't even know where she learned about God. Maybe she heard Jacob talking and telling the story about how he came there and, and his dad and his granddad, Abraham, and all these things, you know, maybe she heard that or some of that. But somehow or another, Leah has come to know God, and she says, this I know about God. My life is very hard. My life is very difficult, but God sees. God sees my misery. Anybody dealing with some tough stuff? God sees. He sees. He is the God who sees. That's one of his names in the Old Testament, El Roy, the God who sees. And it's interesting that when that name is revealed about God, it's in another difficult situation. It's with Hagar. Yeah, Hagar, the one that uh, gave birth to Ishmael, the the uh, uh, son of Abraham that wasn't the promised son and, and how she was run off and, and how she was about to die and her child was about to die and God shows up and she says, I'll tell you this, I've learned about God. God sees me. God knows me. God sees my misery. And understand this, how did God see Leah's misery? He saw her misery because he was there. He was there. And whatever you're going through in your life right now, whatever you've been through, God is there. That's one of the things I, I can say. And not, not everybody's ready to receive it, but when I've, uh, and being with people through some of the toughest times of their lives, some of the, the most difficult challenges of their life, I can say with all confidence on the, base, on the basis of the Word of God that God 
is there. He's there. He's there with you. And he sees everything that's going on. That's a statement of faith. To know and to believe that God sees our misery. Not only that, but look at the other, the next statement that she makes is, Along comes another son, Simeon, there in verse 33. Simeon comes along, and she says this about Simeon. When she names him Simeon, she says, For the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. And so here the word Simeon literally means to hear, to give heed. And, And what is her statement here? She's saying, God hears me. God hears my cry. He hears my cry. We were singing about it earlier, about the God who heard and answered. And by the way, God never hears without answering. That's what it means when it says here, when she says God hears. The word hear there means to respond. God never hears what's going on and doesn't do anything about it. He always responds. He hears your cry. He hears your pain. He hears and he he moves. God pays attention to what's going on. He pays attention to you. He knew Leah. He knows you. He hears you. He knows what's going on. He pays attention to what's going on. He pays attention to what it is that you need. He hears and he responds. So you keep crying out to him. That's a good thing to do. And you may feel like this world has dealt you a a bad hand, and you may feel like life has dealt you a bad hand, but you keep crying out to God. God hears. He sees. And he moves. And he responds. Not always to change the situation, but he gives us exactly what we need. Third name, Levi. In verse 34, she has a third son, Levi. Levi comes along, and of course she makes a statement, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I've given him three sons. But know this about Levi. What what she's talking about here about being united with her husband because that's what the word Levi means. It means to be united. It means to be joined. And the thing, the truth of the matter is is that if Jacob never joins up with her and treats her like she's supposed to, she will always be joined with God. And so that's what we learn about Levi is that, and what she's saying here is that God knows my rejection. He knows my rejection. He knows our suffering. You see, we were united with Christ through his rejection and through his suffering. When Christ was rejected, yes, that was something that actually happened to him, and he was being rejected, but what he was also doing, he was taking on every bit of, of our rejection. Anybody here ever felt rejected? 
God knows your rejection. He has felt that pain. And not only was Jesus suffering because of what was being done to him, the, the lashes that he took, the beating that he took, the, the abuse that he took, the, the crucifixion that he went through, not only was he suffering because of that, but he was also taking on our sufferings as well. He has felt your rejection. He has felt your suffering. And we are united with him through his suffering. And whatever it is that we are going through, not only through the cross and what he felt then, but he is also with us and he is present in our pain. And all we need is him. All we need is him. Now, the tribe of Levi, that the descendants of Levi that make up the tribe of Levi, there's something unique and special about them. They were the priestly tribe. That's where the high priest and all the priests, all the ones that served in the tabernacle and the temple were out of this tribe of Levi. And, and I, I find it unique that that's his name and, and, and how God you know, puts all this together is that they... And the name means united and how this is the tribe that had this special relationship with God. See, they, he, he later on, he takes Joseph's uh, two sons and makes two tribes out of them. So he'll have 12 tribes that are traveling and doing and, and living in the different lands and 12 different sections of land for those 12 tribes. But he has this tribe, Levi, and they don't have any land because they're working the tabernacle and later the temple, they're doing this. And But this is what God says to me. He didn't say, you're, you're, you're uh, suffering or you're, you're looked down upon because you don't have any land. He says, no, you got something better than land. You get me. The land is not your inheritance. I am your inheritance. You get to spend every day in the temple and tabernacle with me. And there's something about rejection and suffering and misery that when God comes to us in the midst of it, there's a special union that takes place. Because he knows our suffering, our rejection. He has already felt it. He doesn't just know about it. He knows what we are feeling in that. And he moves in. And he says, lean on me. Trust me. And then there's this fourth tribe. This fourth son. And I love this because here she is. And, and each time it says, she knows God. She makes these God sees my misery. God hears my cry. God knows my rejection. She's growing in her understanding of God and her understanding that, that God knows everything that is going on, all the hardships that she is going through. And then she comes and she has a fourth son. And nothing has changed with Jacob. 
He still likes Rachel a whole lot better. He, he, he still cares for her, and, 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 and that's the one that he wants to have children with more than, than Leah. And so she, nothing has really changed in that situation. She hadn't gotten any better looking. She hadn't improved physically. She's not any more wanted than she was before. But something has changed within her. Something about her relationship with God is saying, okay, nobody else may like me, but I tell you what, there's a God in heaven that likes me. There's a God in heaven that loves me. There's a God in heaven who cares me. Because when this fourth son comes along, Judah, she says, now I will praise the Lord. (laughs) I will praise the Lord. That's what the word Judah means. It means praise. And she goes, and basically what she's saying here is that all this other stuff doesn't matter. I tell you this, I'm going to praise God anyway. I'm going to praise God anyway. No matter what. Like Job. Lost everything that he had. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of of the Lord. Like Paul and Silas in a prison facing execution in chains, their backs bleeding from the beating that they've just taken. And Paul looks over at Silas and says, let's sing. Let's praise God in this prison cell. And God was so moved by their praise and their faith that the whole jail cell shook and the doors flung open and the Philippian jailer is one to Christ I praise God anyway and I tell you what one day when all this pain and this hurt and earth is over and I think I, I, I don't know for sure That maybe when we get to heaven, there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more tears. And actually what the scripture says, that he'll wipe away all the tears. And and then there'll be no more. I think somehow we will know the hardships that we've gone through in this earth. The struggles, the trials. Not in a sinful, angry, bitter way at all. But I think when we see Jesus, none of it will matter. It's not that we won't know it. We just, it just don't matter anymore. It just doesn't matter. Because we're with him. We're with him. And our Jesus is always worthy. That's why no matter what's going on in our life, we can praise God anyway. We can worship God anyway. And I tell you what, what Leah is saying and her testimony here is that not only is God always worthy, but God is always working. Always working. Even in our misery. Even when we're crying. Even when we're rejected. Even when we're suffering. He is always working. So Leah says, you know what? I don't care what Jacob does. I don't care if I have another child or not. I'm just going to praise God. I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to praise God anyway.
because he is worthy. And he has been working in my life. Are you there? Do you want to get there? You know, I find it interesting, too, that uh, Judah, Judah, Judah becomes a tribe, and there is one that comes from the tribe of Judah. He's called a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Messiah, Jesus himself. And somehow, and I don't know if Leah even really understood all of this, but somehow this one that was rejected by everyone else, God uses to bring in his kingdom. And if you will give your struggles and your hardships to this same God, this same Lord, he can use you to make an impact for his kingdom.